Welcome to No Queries, the podcast about everything data. I'm Eric, and with me is Alexi and Ernesto. Hi, I'm Alexei. Hi, I'm not. My process of elimination. <laughs> I mean, there's only two choices. I mean, when you have, I, I have enough faith in the people who listen to this. That's solid. to suss it out. We believe in you, listeners. <laughs> All right. Um, so you've been on before. We won't go into your your detailed histories. No, unless anybody has any. Any updates on, on my history? Topic. Yeah. Oh. Data topic updates? No, not no. really. I just come in here and you tell me what to talk so about. You said fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a problem. Um, all right. So so we'll jump in to our first topic of discussion, which is uh, yesterday's Facebook outage. So while it's not necessarily data related, it's data. It's, I mean, it's all internet. It's tangential. Yeah. Data movement. Yeah. In the sense that no data moved. Yeah. <laughs> no- so severe lack of yeah. data movement. Okay. I mean, I don't know if Facebook has actually released an RCA about what happened yet. At this time, I don't think so. Uh, but okay. basically, at least what Cloudflare came out and said that A, they messed up their uh border gateway protocol or BGP routes. And mm-hmm. I'm not gonna pretend to really understand that because that is extremely complicated, probably one of the most complicated protocols out there. Oh well. Because it lets every Every big company that has a big network talk to each other. And I think a few times in the past, someone's messed up like a country trying to ban YouTube ends up destroying YouTube across the world because BGP is completely autonomous by nature mm-hmm. so that every computer can find every other computer on the internet when they're supposed to be publicly accessible. And it's one of those, it's, it's like the JavaScript of the internet it was built a long time ago and it's super fragile. <laughs> it seems like most things though, like most things are very delicate. So I mean, the whole concept of the internet's pretty, yeah. The fact like, that it works at all is yeah, a miracle. It's like a, a million parts trying to work against each other. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And Facebook broke the most fragile part, which had a cascading effect. So if you had to like translate this BGP to, uh, um, I guess a metaphor, how would you describe uh, it? Facebook deleted the interstates from the United States. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I guess that explains it. Uh, pretty, so, you know, you had a car, specific. you knew where you wanted to go, but there was this, there's no way to get no there. No way to get there. Okay. See, because I heard it described another way. I heard that they basically got rid of, uh, I guess if we're using like the, the analogy, they got rid of the maps. So not only did you not have any way to get there, you also did not know where it was. I mean, if there's anymore. no road, how are you going to follow a map? I mean, you could probably follow like a topological map. Topographical? Topological? One of those two. Topographical, I, I think. There's also no GPS in this analogy. So, well, I mean, we're, we're abstracting a little, a little bit here. I think the problem with that analogy is that you could remember the way to get places, mm-hmm. which I think that's how it would normally work mm-hmm. is cached. So well, it would know the route, but that would be if like a name server got messed up and there wasn't a way to turn facebook.com into this IP address, but no, this mm-hmm. was like the way that traffic yeah. goes across the backbone of the whole internet. Oh crap. Right. So someone just didn't, didn't know where to look. It was just the door shut. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Door stuck. Oh no. <laughs> door stuck. Oh no. Oh boy. Speaking of door stuck, quite literally, Facebook also circularly referenced their entire company to themselves. So when Facebook was down, Facebook could not save Facebook or bring Facebook back up. Because That's, Facebook yeah, yeah that, Facebook. that was the most interesting part to me is like a disaster recovery plan. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I imagine like the engineers are like, hey, go, fi- go fix this. And they're like, um, you've <laughs> locked us out of the thing that we need to do to fix this. Yeah, like speaking of being locked out, like the freaking cards didn't work. You could not get into the damn building. Right. So yep. like, what are you supposed to do? So if I recall, mm-hmm. and this is all, you know, Twitter knowledge. Mm-hmm. So grain of salt, they quite literally 
could not get into the server room to run a manual update against their routing servers that mm-hmm. you know handle this border gateway protocol. And the only person who could override that was like the physical head of security who was not there and they couldn't message him because their internal messaging system also relied <laughs> on their own Facebook backbone. So everything in that company, messaging, doors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably like the vending machine too. Why not? Okay. All relied on Facebook <laughs> yeah. and Facebook was down. So I think someone physically drove to this guy's house and was like, Hey, everything's broken. I mean, do they not have like his phone number? Door. I mean, maybe. Okay. And this is why I'm saying Twitter grain of salt. Okay. But Dude had to go override all their security to get in. Thankfully, someone thought about having a key in a door and not just, you know, say, I can you know. <laughs> I imagine they had to call like a good old fashioned locksmith and he oh has to God. show up to Facebook and open the server rooms oh for God. Him. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, people kept saying like Facebook is gone, all this stuff happened to Facebook. Like, no, everything Facebook related, nothing changed. In fact, it's probably the best their servers have ever run. Totally <laughs> trafficless. Speaking of uh-huh. People who hit Facebook and went, hey, this isn't working. F5, refresh, refresh, refresh. Guess what happened to uh, name servers like Cloudflare, Google's 8.8.8.8 and everything? They got 30 times the requests they would normally because people, oh. not just people, but automated processes are like, got to yeah. connect to Facebook, can't connect, retry 100 times per second. <laughs> and uh, a lot of companies had to really struggle mm-hmm. with the massive amount of traffic from name servers. I honestly didn't even think about that side of it. Yeah. Damn. I mean, think about that. If something breaks in your company uh-huh. and you're just like, hey, page and connect, what's the first thing you do? You're going to just yeah. stop and say, like, hey, it's not working. Now you're going to hit F5. And you're going to go, like, is this a me problem? You hit control F5. You're going to open up a new browser incognito. Control F5. What is control uh, F5? Control, in most browsers, it's a hard refresh. Yeah. It clears your cache and oh, okay. the site. Okay. So, I learned something today. Basically, people like to brute force things and Facebook mm-hmm. probably. But not had, just people. Like, yeah. imagine all the automated systems that connect that just like spam to refresh. That happens. <laughs> A lot when I, when I like screw up credentials, like yeah. uh, like when I'm using Power BI and it's like my credentials are messed up, it just starts spamming it. Yeah, and then like security is like, why is this like Power BI like? <laughs> why why is it refreshing? I can stop it. It's just goes so back. damn much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, we had an issue <laughs> with our company with an account that joined a Windows virtual machine to our domain, mm-hmm. and if. Uh, a password rolled, it would keep attempting to do that join action and it would lock itself out and then it would keep trying and it would be yep. locked. So it would reset the lockout period. We had to go and manually shut everything off. I've had a lot of stuff like that, like a bunch of just bad apps that like spam lock themselves out. So I, I actually want to talk about that, that spam locking out thing. So I was reading a little while ago about like, um, it was a reply all horror story where, you know, somebody's on a, on a mailing list or whatever. And then they, you know, send unsubscribe or whatever. And then everybody and their mother decides they want to try and, you know, choke the server. And I remember reading that it like it, it hard shut everything down because it was choking on the number of emails and then when it crashed and then it would start up and try the same thing again. And since it couldn't get past that first block, it would just eventually, I mean, it basically killed itself. It got stuck in a loop of, right. of crashing and restarting. What What is like best practice on something like that when it comes to like a point of failure like that and you try to reconnect is there like a, a standard for that or is it just keep doing it it probably depends like if you're gonna have a, a lockout mm-hmm. then you don't want it to keep redoing it yeah because you're just gonna create more alexi problems like <laughs> there are gonna be people asking for their accounts unlocked because mm-hmm. like if something just disconnects and the app tries three times to reconnect and then it fails like if it's not gonna lock out and mm-hmm. it's just like a you know an app that can sit in the background and try to reconnect and mm-hmm. not break anything until it connects then mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Okay. 
which is also where the concept of like a health check or a health probe comes in. Mm-hmm. You do something very basic, like a blank get request against slash, like just the root of the website. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, what did it return? Ooh, 400. Okay, maybe let's not do this for a bit. Okay. Consider website down and try it once every five minutes until we see up. Yeah, that's usually like with data stuff. If I'm doing a pipeline or something, mm-hmm. I'll usually have it. It depends, but like if it's a pipeline that can just be rerun on the hour and it fails, then I just let it rerun the next hour and it catches everything. It's okay. not like super time sensitive. Mm-hmm. If I'm just like capturing data throughout the day, but if it's time sensitive, then you might need to have it like, Hey, if it fails, you know, try three times. If it's still failing, it's probably like a data problem. And then okay. it, it'll send out alerts and stuff. I see, Cause I'm sure there's gotta be a way to figure out based off of what you are getting back what sort of issue you're having at least guess right like well, yeah i mean a, a, a best guess basically yeah. in the web world there mm-hmm. are http response codes 200 for good mm-hmm. and really anything else for some version of good but with conditions or not good okay yeah. this is it, it's tying into a different problem i have which is when i get error messages that i have no idea how to parse because it's like hey a problem occurred that's the problem is <laughs> if you don't have control of the error messages mm-hmm. like you can't really rely on those like um i have some pipelines that just return the weirdest things and it's essentially just service unavailable mm-hmm. but it gives me very odd error messages that yeah. are unrelated to service un- you think there's an actual problem mm-hmm. but then it's not okay. really i have the, yeah. yeah. the interactability between mm-hmm. third party applications your own company's applications yeah <sighs> that's and that's a hard thing in like the data world is a lot of time you're hitting sources that you don't have control over yeah the response oh, yeah, you're I, building I've, an app it's hopefully you can write your own error messages yeah and then handle them in your however you should best handle them but speaking yeah. of error handling i bet you that there were a lot of web scrapers targeting facebook that had no error handling they're just yep. like oh, i want to hit these thousand pages let's do that real quick oh they all return 400 okay let's try a thousand pages again yep. oh 400 let's try a thousand pages again. Oh, boy. yeah i imagine there were a lot of automated things that just blew up because mm-hmm. it's got such a high uptime like i can't mm-hmm. remember facebook ever being down yeah, it's so reliable that people just don't handle errors oh, yeah. for it because it's why bother? Oh boy, this is why APIs are actually really important too. Mm-hmm. Because if you're scraping against a website, you can't. I mean, you can rate limit a website, but ideally, you have things pointed to an API so you can throttle specific requests to specific parts of your API. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Facebook would want to throttle total requests coming in. I mean, let's see if a coffee shop of an IP and like hundred people in there, that's excessive, but all hidden Facebook doing different things, chatting to people. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pick a certain amount and just say like, okay, fraud right. this many requests mm-hmm. because you could be doing leg- a bunch of legitimate users, which all natted behind the same network address translation behind the same IP, which is how like a home router works. So you have one IP exiting the house. Okay. Well, they're not going to assign every single device in every home an IP. Look, man, I'm going to be completely frank. I don't know shit about that's fair and I, I just know that every device i have that connects to the internet has a different ip address and i'm assuming that's like a, a way of identifying where things are coming from so not every device okay. every device you have that connects to so your router get that right. has a, <laughs> <laughs> your router has an ip address yeah, sure. and your phone will have one if it's on a cellular network but sure. that phone ip address will be shared of usually everyone in the same tower okay Okay. Which is also why sometimes you'll be like, hey, this IP was banned. And you're like, what do you mean? My phone was never banned because you're sharing uh, a bunch of users to sell tower. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know shit about that side of yeah. um, anything. And the goal is you have a very limited number of IPs. I say very limited when there's millions, but mm-hmm. that's limited on an international scale. Well, I mean, so like, there's a bunch of compacting going on. I mean, like, I'm assuming you have a certain number of like, I'm, I'm assuming it's in binary as most things uh, digital IPs? tend to be. 
I mean, we'll have to, right? Right? How, how are you going right. to represent it from a, from a device unless it's in binary? You know, like what, 64 bits in there? 128 bits in there? I don't, I don't know how much that is. It's a shit ton. There are getting things I'm not familiar with because I don't go to that you know lower is. level of machine. I mean, I know what binary is, but I couldn't tell you how networking gets down to a binary right. layer. Because okay. then you're talking about like the hardware running on a router. Yeah. All I'm saying is that if you're representing uh, an IP address in in bits, that takes you know but, physical space. So yeah, you're gonna right. you're gonna be hard limited. There's no there's no infinite. But about like original, re- yeah. I mean, it was the internet was built like with 1960s, so yeah. you had zero dot zero dot zero dot zero to two five five two five five two five five. Okay, yeah. So so it's what then yeah. X sixteen bit. I think it's like some number of million two fifty six. Two to the sixteenth, something like that. Well, they've updated because now it's well IPv6. IPv, yeah, supposedly so updated. Adding. No one's using it. Right. Yeah. But they're trying to expand it so that there's more. There's more stuff. Yeah. We're running out of numbers. Yeah. I will say with IPv6, you can quite literally have every single human being on this planet have a mm-hmm. hundred devices all connected into their own unique IP and you're still not really breaching the threshold. Okay. It'll yeah. support hu- IPv6 will support humanity into the age of multi-solar system conquest. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not making it that far, bud. There's a there's a hard limit. Well, I can't wait for someone to figure out interplanetary networking. Oh God! <laughs> IPv6 yeah. bit, bits all, and Facebook, shit. Uh, goofed. All right. So uh, our our next topic is yeah. um, mach- is machine learning. Yes. Uh, and I guess I I want to talk about machine learning because I find the whole thing very funny and. Um, because I know that we have at least one person here who is leaning on machine learning to generate a perfect, unbiased uh, messiah of a robot, of an AI, a despot bot, if you will. Can you really call that will save us? The same as AI, though. Look, man, what are you going to do? Like, AI has to learn somehow. Like, by definition, it is an artificial intelligence. How are you going to teach it? You have to program that. It's the foundation of it. Yeah, it's the foundation. Like, Come on. Well, I mean, the foundation of what we call AI right now, which is not general AI. We don't really have a solution. When I talk about like fantasy AI, like you, you, again, it has to be able to learn. It has to have some way of taking in, um, you know, through some sort of like sensor or like whatever, some sort of stimulus, some sort of data it needs to be able to process that. It needs to be able to learn from it. Okay. Well, here's a machine learning model. Here's the like electronic signals of a bunch of brains of babies that are learning. Sure. Go try to do this computer. I mean, yeah, you're kind of so. So you are really abstracting when you when you talk start talking about machine learning. I don't have a whole lot of experience with it. Um, most of what I did was import a bunch of Python libraries and give it a data set, and then have it go, you know, push data through this horrible black box that it did, and then spit out something that may or may not be correct. But yeah, that's uh, what most people do. Yeah, yeah. like I, uh, so from what I remember, except for this handful of people who actually designed the black box. Yeah, who actually know what the hell they're talking they're about. Doing. Yeah, so like you have you have some system and it takes in its inputs, and it it is weighted a certain way. I give you like a bag of M and M's. I'm like, I need you to pick out all the green ones. You can take a single M and M. You can you know judge it. You can you know take a look at it and be like, oh, this is brown. I don't want that. This is red. I don't want that. This is like a dark green. Do I want that? And you can you know. Give it some sort of feedback. Tell it, yes, what you did was good. It'll change the way it weights things in the future. And then eventually, assuming everything is right, you'll be able to just pour in like a million fucking M&Ms into this thing's input and it will be able to sort them out appropriately. The problem that I have with machine learning is that people make them. Like people, people write these algorithms, people give it this data. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can fuck it up really badly. You're going to run your uh, M&M sorter in the dark and have it freak so, out. You, you, yeah, that yeah. would be one instance. So th- yeah. There's, there's the key is 
the two different sets, right? You mm-hmm. have the training set and the, the actual yeah. control or yeah, I, I don't know. So something yeah, something to verify it against. Yeah, I don't remember um, anything. I don't deal with it a lot, but um yeah, I usually know them. But essentially, so you have you have your so your your answers, right? Because mm-hmm. you would answer this MM is green, this one's red, this mm-hmm. one's whatever. Yeah. So that it would have a, a threshold to know this is this is the correct answers, and then you can it can compare itself to that and say, okay, this now we're hitting on our model is correctly interpreting this as the right color. Mm-hmm. So um, the problem is those sets are human derived. Yes, they are. So actually to speak, to link this back to Facebook, I remember Facebook was having a bit of an issue a while back where um, their facial recognition software would not recognize people with darker skin. Mm-hmm. White people worked on just great. But if you were like Mexican or if you were black or anything, if you're anything not white, uh, good fucking luck. It just would not recognize you. Well, that comes to data size, right? Probably Facebook was just ingesting more pictures to learn off of of people who were yep. yes. So that's, whatever that's, their that's data a of pictures was was probably mostly from white people. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest problem I've heard about with machine learning is mm. a lack. Oh, of, oh, buddy. Okay, there may be bigger ones. But oh, I'm going to hit you with a couple here in a second. A sufficient data set mm-hmm. is a pretty big one, and people roll in wanting to do solve X of machine learning, and then you know they got like a hundred data. Yes, like that's, lines of data. To that's a problem. There. I remember there was a, I forgot where it was, but the police were trying to use. Um, like some sort of algorithm. Like it would look at your previous convictions. It would look at stuff like where you live. It would look at the color of your skin, even if it was unintentional. And it would try and determine, well, who was likely to commit a crime, like some sort of weird There's an anime about this. Well, there was also, I think a really, I don't know if it was bad or not. I remember minority report. The, the point I'm trying to make here is that they are trying to, they are affecting real people in real life with some horrible fucking like computer voodoo shit that they so, don't understand. So I read, I read this study in, in mm-hmm. machine learning ethics that, Similar, probably a different case, but similar. <laughs> so what they were doing is they were trying to solve like disparity in sentencing. So okay. Like criminal cases. Yes. So like they, you know, for a long time, it was just a judge picked. And if the judge didn't like a certain person, yeah, they made the sentence worse. So, you know, the solution was, hey, we'll just have an algorithm that mm-hmm. looks at the crime and all the, these other factors and sentence fairly. Like based on historical data. The mm-hmm. problem is all of the past historical data was based on judges picking yes. people they liked and didn't like. Mm-hmm. So the, the unbiased, unfair, or, you know, equal algorithm mm-hmm. was sentencing black people harsher yes. than white people uh, just because historically. Yeah, there was a precedent case, for it. Yeah. Right? People think that if you give this, this algorithm horrible flawed data, it is, it is going to be a perfect, um, unbiased arbiter of judgment. And that is yep. not how it works right. at all. It's based on, on data. <laughs> yes. So there's like a whole like industry now of like experts who are, are data ethic. Oh. Eth- Ethics, ethicalists, ethicists, Eth- <laughs> Ethic- ethical estheticians, no, a beauty thing. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> people who are experts in data ethics and mm-hmm. go into places and say, and like, you know, tear, tear apart their systems and mm-hmm. they're like, no, you're here. Here's all the things that this is like incorrectly doing. But yeah. ethics also mm-hmm. subjective. Like we need a machine learning model to figure out what the best <laughs> ethics are. See, and, and again, like we have this conversation a lot. You think that there is somehow at some point in the future going to be somebody like some sort of weird computer Jesus who is capable of writing a completely unbiased um, algorithm and giving it unbiased data. I just believe it's more likely that we'll eventually make a computer that can be unbiased mm-hmm. than humanity becoming unbiased. 
So the problem is, so you, that's where the AI thing comes in. Because you have general AI, which is supposedly able to mm -hmm. figure things out on its own. But right now, all AI or what we're calling AI is generated from human. Yes. Human. Right. So there's no way we could create despot bot. Um, <laughs> With with what we currently have, that no. isn't entirely human influence. No. We just somehow teach a computer to look to to grow, to uh, learn. The issue that I have is that computers are not organic. They're not just going to sprout well, out of the. There are biocomputers. <clears throat> now, what I mean by that is that a despot bot is not going to pop fully formed out of the ground. No, and the machine that creates despot bot is not going to pop out of the ground. At some point in this line, you are going to have a human being, and humans, by definition, are flawed. But did we pop out of the ground? Well, no. Right? I'm it, saying it, it, hold on. So if, if this machine decides that its best course of action for equality is to murder everybody... Well, let's roll it back before we get to the equality despot bot. Look, all I'm, all I'm trying to say is that it will get it will arrive at a solution faster than a person ever could, but that does not necessarily mean it's a good thing. Hold on. I'm not talking about arriving at a solution right now. Okay. I'm talking about simply developing this thing into mm -hmm. existence. Mm -hmm. First first place mm -hmm. is you want to go through a similar evolution process to i mean humans mm -hmm. started as you know soup and now we're <laughs> conscious beings with uh, cracked open a can of human soup okay so we just need to start that whole thing over with uh with some kind of ai right it'll start as soup with nothing more than like i want to eat to survive okay and get to i have society with morals and ethics you and then we just are, keep going past that point and we see what future human will be uh, you, and if you, it's you know worse we're putting way too much faith in it okay hold on real quick so i want i'm going to hit you with a couple of of examples before before we go to the examples let okay. me just throw out that was all theoretical yes like, we do not have soup the science to accomplish a machine that <laughs> simulate that evolution. evolution. No. Um, yeah. So for anybody who does not know much about this topic, like, <laughs> we are nowhere near that level of it. I know AI is like thrown out a lot, but it's very much like, that's going to be very simple, clear. Here. Yeah. Simple, like re image recognition and things like that. Yeah, We're not towards machine thinking. I mean, I'm sure there's very smart people who are working towards. Oh, yeah, I don't but, think we have anything in this invented right now that you can actually call artificial intelligence. No, we, we just have machine learning that people misbrand. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> so, okay. So again, to, to really illustrate my point, I wanted to give you a couple of examples here. So there was one, um, one study that people were doing. They had a mechanical arm and they were trying to get it to stack two blocks, right? You had a blue Lego, you had a red Lego. All right. And they were trying to like, they were basically rewarding this this machine learning algorithm saying every time you stack this red block on top of this blue block, we're going to give you like a little a little feel good point. OK, and they run it run like a billion times, just letting it do its thing. OK, the problem they had is that the constraints were not very well defined. They judged success by the Z coordinate, the height of that red blocks bottom face. Right. You know, pick it up, put it on the bottom one. The the bottom face of the red block is now higher than it was. You win. Now, if you are trying to save as much effort as possible, you're trying to do this as quickly as possible. All right. And I'm telling you, I'm only judging success by how high that red block's bottom face is. What would you do? <laughs> Throw it. That's a, that's a good solution. It needs to stay there, though. You are a robot arm. You have a very limited range of movement. Maybe Reasonable. Pick it up and hold it there. You could do that, too. So I'm going to tell you what it actually did. Right. It flipped the block over. Oh, and it yeah. left. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's it. It left it because they did not think they did not think about constraining it well enough, mm -hmm. right? And that's I think a big problem that I have is that you have people who are trying to do something like this. Nature has so many natural constraints in it that we cannot think of. 
right? There was another one where they were trying well, to get Before a, you get into that, yes. I think to expand from that, like, yeah, you could, you could do a bunch of test cases and be like, oh, we did it wrong. Mm-hmm. It flipped it over. Let's add more constraints. But the mm-hmm. problem is when you get to like the super advanced stuff people are trying to do of like, well, let's say a, a rocket to the you know, oh, Mars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you start to do complex things like that, you don't get a lot of like test cases to figure mm-hmm. out, Oh no, we just didn't even think of this possibility. You yeah. build these like super complex machine mm-hmm. learning things. And then just, just some point, go. I mean, I, we've all worked in places where somebody <clears throat> builds it and then the next person takes it and just assume it works and yeah. then they build on top of it. Mm-hmm. And then that whole thing goes down and then, you know, yes. QA missing and everything, mm-hmm. machine learning included. Yes. That could be a podcast of its own. <laughs> yeah. It definitely could. I, I yeah. need to, yeah, we need to do a big like QA discussion. Oh that's, boy. It's a fun topic. We can do that next time. Yeah. I think it's just the, the big thing that I want to stress with this sort of thing is one, you need to understand your own shortcomings as a person, right? Like you need to understand when you do something like this, there are going to be things you can't think of. There are going to be things that you just, you just can't imagine until you get into it. Right. A machine learning algorithm is like a very dumb child. It will do exactly what you tell it to the best of its ability and nothing more. So, so to give you another example, that's related a little bit more to my field. They were trying to take what's called an FPGA, which is a field programmable gate array, right? You guys know what formal logic is like computer logic. You have your ands, you have your ors, you have your nots, xors. You stick those on circuit boards, right? You don't stick, well, you don't stick them in circuit boards. They're typically built. Anyway, typically, <laughs> typically, yes, you can go out and you can buy like little, you know, packages that have your, your logic gates in them and all that. But an FPGA is just a, it's like a big square block and you can write it. You can erase it now. Nowadays you can erase it and rewrite it and you can program it to do whatever the hell you want. If we were to crack open some of these, like if you were to take that mixer right there and crack it open, I bet we would find a big freaking like mm-hmm. a, a microcontroller or something. That's a big square. That's an FPGA. So they had this FPGA and they're like, listen, we want to make, um, I forgot what it was. They were trying to make like an oscillator or some shit. And they were using machine learning on it. And they let this thing go for like a billion cycles or something. And by the time they were done, they had what I would describe as like <laughs> circuit alchemy. They had, they had a couple of gates that were attached to nothing. They had, they should have no effect on the output, but if you got rid of them, it would stop working because this, this algorithm zeroed in on the freaking um, physical defects of the chip that they were working on and made it work in this one specific instance and nowhere else. It did exactly <laughs> what they wanted it to do and for this one else. part only. Yeah. Yep. And that's like, that's a billion data points. Like it is not easy. That's not, that's not, that's a lot of space. It's a lot of time. And it's a lot of energy to to get something that is going to be unusable at the end of the day. So you need like fuzzy logic on these algorithms. You just just understand what you are trying to get. Understand well, the limitations of yourself and your software, yeah, and don't be dumb. The problem is adding in fuzzy logic to machine learning just makes it even more unpredictable. Yeah. That would be opening up constraints. That's the hard thing. Is where do you need to add constraints, and where mm-hmm. do you need to open constraints? Yeah. And then how, how do you get the right data? I mean, finding the right data set to give it is also a challenge. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, your rockets to to the space. There's only been uh, so many rockets that have launched to space. Exactly. Yeah. There's not tons of data for it. So. Yeah. You'd have to fire another couple million before a machine learning algorithm would do that well. Yeah. Well, they were doing one with a, a flight simulator. And what it was doing was exploiting a, a quirk in the software. Yeah. Where it would, it would give it like some extreme crazy forces that were rounded to zero. Something that would never work in real life, but it found a bug in the software. Well, yeah. what if it finds a bug in real life? Now, if it can do that, then I will change my... <laughs> I will change my opinion of machine learning overnight. Well, it's not to say that like machine learning has no uses. Oh no, no, no. Find it, the, absolutely. Yeah. It can find things that we 
humans can't find yes. because that can process data points like no, mm-hmm. nothing else. So there's definitely a lot. I mean, obviously there's a lot of uses. It's Oh yeah. No, no, I'm not saying it's popular. useless at all. The but, problem yeah. is using is like, Oh, it's, it's the companies that are like, we need an algorithm to solve mm-hmm. this problem. And then they just like throw some money at it, yeah. probably underdevelop it and then throw it into a production and they go, okay, it's working. Yeah. But like, there's no way to know it. That's especially these cases where there's, Hey, it seems like it's, it, it yeah. gives you an answer. Yeah. Therefore it must be working. Yes. Ooh. And it's not something that a person can look at and no. say, cause that's the reason for this product is mm-hmm. that a person can't look at it and go green versus red. Yeah. It's some abstract thing. Yes. And then it gives you an answer and you just assume it's right because yeah. the machine learning right. thing told you it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's a good yeah. one where I worked for a company that involved, uh, this deciding financing for people and, they, you know, don't want to pull someone's credit score all the time. So they wanted to make a machine learning alg- algorithm that determined their credit score based on like where they logged into the website from. Like it showed them estimated rates mm-hmm. and quite a lot of effort was put into it. And I think it worked, you know, marginally well. But mm-hmm. then a little government entity rolled in and said, uh, hey, how are you judging these people's credit score? And no mm-hmm. one can explain it. Yeah. Yep. They've just pointed at the uh, black box over there. Yeah. And like, that's, that uh, is uh, not uh, good. Uh. No, machine learning is not spackled. You cannot just stick it everywhere and expect it to cover the gaps. Yeah. yeah. I, I worked for a place that predicted healthcare mm-hmm. costs. It was a, a proprietary thing that mm-hmm. they, they bought and it went through that and told us how much people's health was like impacted decisions made about people's lives. And oh, like God. nobody at the company could tell you <laughs> how it was decided. It was just trusted that it was. Yeah. So uh, it's, I know we're implementing machine learning right now as an error catcher mm-hmm. says we audit a lot of uh, healthcare records. So we're looking into it's always manual, but machine learning will help guide these auditors to a record that they want to review rather than just telling them, hey, go stare at a million records and see one that looks wrong. Okay, I mean, as long as you have a human at the end who is verifying things, I mean, humans or natural bias, but producing something that isn't directly impacting people without any other factors taken into consideration. It's the fully autonomous machine learning that mm-hmm. it's dangerous, but it can be very useful to supplement human beings. I'm sure, but I, I just be very careful when it comes to replacing things entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause especially like if you're working with a, another person, like a third party, like they're people too. They want to cover their ass. They want to make themselves look good. If they give you something like they could be blowing smoke, basically they could give you a product that, that spits out or, you know, an output. They don't know if it's good or not, but it looks good. Yeah. And like they're, they're fine. They're covered. You know, they have your yeah. money and then they go. I mean, and we, we, most of us have worked with some sort of software and like, <laughs> I mean, it's just like applications. How many mm-hmm. times do people half ass it or skip things? Or like I said, like don't QA fully. Yeah. And, I mean, Oh man. The same thing is going to happen with, happen with machine learning development mm-hmm. and beyond like just develop. I mean, project managers that don't provide the resources to do it correctly or timelines that are unrealistic and <laughs> same thing is going to happen for machine learning. And the difference is, you know, with an application, your users are pretty easy going to tell you what you did wrong mm-hmm. pretty quick. Um, whereas like a lot of these algorithms or machine learning models mm-hmm. and things like that, people may not know that it's giving them very invalid yeah. outputs. So, I mean, I think about success mm-hmm. stories of machine learning. Zillow is probably the first one that comes to mind with oh, their yeah. estimated home prices. And part of the reason that's so good is they hold these contests. I don't know when the last one was, but 
You know, they had one back when I was working in 2019, but they just said, hey, everyone in the world, can you develop a better algorithm than what we have in-house? If so, get money and we use it, you yeah. know, win-win. Yeah. Probably much bigger win for Zillow, but... Oh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I worked at a competitor with Zillow. How that, did you? Um, tried to develop their own AVM, which is that value mm-hmm. valuation model. No oh, boy. And so... <laughs> There was there was a Zillow competition to to do better that was offering like five million dollars if they could hit a certain. Was this all in house? No, no. Was oh, Zillow, okay, Zillow okay. You're so okay. God. So Kaggle is like a uh, data science platform. Okay, I thought you were that saying that. Will host a lot of competitions. And okay. Things. So they were, I think, hosting one for I don't remember how much. It was a lot of money. But then I was also working with the data science team that mm-hmm. was tasked with coming up with a better product than what Zillow was going to pay millions of dollars for. Mm-hmm. I, maybe it wasn't millions. It was a lot, though. Yeah. Way more than they were getting paid. And I was like, so, guys, if you come up with this, mm-hmm. you should probably just give it to Zillow and yeah. quit your job. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I, I guess That's part hilarious. two is pay your data scientists better than yeah. they can get on a company. Yeah. I mean, Especially so- when you ask them to do kind of the impossible. Yeah. Like, they were asking to do like better than, you know, what market exists. Yeah. I mean, without, is, without very many resources. That's, that's the big one. Every like, executive wants to hear their company's machine learning. None of them want to know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you can, I like, mean, it's the issue of analytics and just yeah. the buzzwords and we're surrounded by buzzwords. Well, I feel like with something like that, you can just wash your hands of it. You know what I mean? Oh, the machine told us to do it. I'm done. I'm blameless. I was just following what it told me to well, do. Yeah, that's not nice. So that they can like, tell investors they're well, backed sure. by machine learning or okay. backed by data science. So there's a really so strong thinking of like people concert what you're describing mm-hmm. in the fact that Tesla, you know, the car hits someone, you can't just say, oh, the Tesla did it. <laughs> no, you're still driving the car, dog. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Zillow was a good example of it, of it working. I don't just want to shit all over it. Well, it's also something that is like, my thing is, yeah, machine learning is great when you can validate it. Yeah. So like, obviously if Zillow is predicting a house price Mm -hmm. and then people sell their house, Mm -hmm. you can tell very accurately whether you were right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So like you can then refine it better that way. My fear is with like things that are much harder to detect. Like Mm -hmm. like you're talking about like court cases or things that are much more abstract and, and there's no way to like, then validate whether your answer was correct or not. Yeah. How do you validate it's correct? The car didn't crash. It doesn't mean you went drove it in the right spot. Yeah. So that would be a good case of like, if you are not constraining your stuff, right? Like Uber. You, I mean, no, does Uber do that? With their self-driving cars? Whatever happened to that? Are they still doing that? I don't know. Well, I recall an Uber's instance is the car actually did accurately detect a pedestrian. Mm -hmm. It just just, just didn't stop. The engineer just specifically, you know, put an override in for like, nah, don't care about that because we need to get more testing. Look at at that shit. Like That's the sort of person. That was laziness equals casualty. I forget the numbers at the time, but like, because at the, the, so for listeners, they did a lot of, they do a lot of self-driving car testing. Uh, yeah. where we live. Yeah. And so Waymo, which is Google self-driving car. And, and so they, and they don't have to now, but during all this testing, they had to have a person in the driver's seat to take over. And I think Waymo had like a, like 10,000 driving hours per time that a person had to intervene. Oh, wow. Um, and Uber was at like 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, that was, that was way worse. Than I was expecting. Drastically lower. <laughs> Um, and then, and then, yeah, and then they, and then the Uber self-driving car hit and killed somebody and then their testing stopped. Well, so even the governor kicked them out of the state. Well, yeah, that's because Uh, they fucking killed somebody. (laughs) Like, yeah. And then it just showed that like they're, they were not 
I mean, I don't, maybe they've, they've turned it around. Don't know what Uber's program's like. Not holding my breath. Machine learning is that once someone does something the best, you mm-hmm. can't really build a competing, you can't compete. Machine learning, once you have the, the best algorithm, you're a monopoly. You can't right. build a new algorithm that does better because the whole point is you're refining the best way to do X process. Again, but like, like how, how do you define the best though? Like for a very simple case, again, sorting M&Ms, yeah, that, that's one thing, right? But well, I mean, like driving a car, for example, but if somebody else to, could build one that refines it better. I mean, they might have a head right, start, which just, would be in, just be incorporated into. But but again, like, maybe, how do you define use totally different data sets that are? Yes, that's I mean, true. Like, well, yeah, so it's so like kinds in, of sensors in this car case. How do you define best? What is the best way from point A to point B? Is it the fastest? Is it the safest? Oh, is it the one that eliminates left turns? Like <laughs> if you were UPS, yes. Well, this is, I think the problem with you, I mean. You need flexibility. Part of it is yeah. Uber's general culture as a startup was mm-hmm. fast. First to market was yeah. a big focus of theirs. And so, I I mean, personal opinion, they rushed the program. Cut, cut some corners and now a person's exactly. dead. Exactly. Um, and that's not, to me, that's all of your fears of machine learning. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the type of company yeah. you don't really want doing it. You want one that has a long-term goal mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the desire to develop the best system or the best algorithms. I guess well, Google how, how do you, mm, I mean, Google does some shady shit. I mean, right? yeah, but in the very case, I mean, from what is known of Waymo, they took a much more longer, mm-hmm. you know, trying to revolutionize driving approach versus trying to get a self-driving car to market first. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, can't say it in all Google's, I mean, alphabet is a huge company, so can't say in all cases, but at least in this one, it seemed like they had the better approach. And of course that could change and it all it takes is like one investment yeah. group to yeah. push something. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they throw out all their, yep. all their, um, patience. Yeah. And, yeah. And all the ethics, down, yeah. if you will. Yeah, all the ethics, yeah. yeah. Those are going to be the first thing to go when an mm-hmm. investor is on the line. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> okay. Yep, so there you go. Uh, that is our approach on machine learning. If you, uh, <laughs> if you happen to be uh, an actual data scientist, one of those people who understands the black boxes, um, you can feel free to tell us we're all idiots because yeah. I don't think we'll we'll dispute that. Nope. <laughs> or if you're a networking architect that understands. You know, border gateway protocol and autonomous operating servers and that whole not even enterprise networking, global networking. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Check out our data videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash no queries and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss out on future discussions uh, about life with data and Facebook and uh, desktop stuff. Yeah. And just stuff. Just stuff. Bye, everyone. I'm very sorry. 